Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my Rev Jeff podcast. I'm your girl, Mel. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, We are so glad to have you on this podcast. Uh, We talk about navigating our faith, passions, and professions. Emphasis on the S. This community is an imperfect, authentic, and safe space to get the strategy for your work and words for your soul. As the Rev Draft Collective, we help you find the beauty in your current season while helping you do the necessary work to get to your next season. Uh, We are all about redefining history with your everyday story, allowing God to use you exactly as you are and exactly where you are. So welcome. Okay, Uh, we are back with another interview episode Um, today. If you're on YouTube, you can see, but today we have Merlinda Francois. She is a business coach, a project manager, a digital content strategist, pretty much my twin, y'all, okay? Um, but, But yeah, she's a business coach, project manager, digital content strategist. She specializes in helping women and others um, break poverty patterns to create more abundance. She is the founder of Marlinda Francois Consultancy, which helps um, enhance the livelihood really of people in their personal life and their business. She has over seven years experience in business development, project management, program management, knowledge management. Um, she has both one-to-one um, services as well as group programs where she guides entrepreneurs to overcome scarcity and reduce dependency to build sustainable businesses with ease. Merlinda brings her rich career experiences to the table offering a unique perspective that marries academic theory with real-world experiences, which we love to see, okay? She is also an executive contributor at Brains Magazine. She is the PR director of the Rotary Club of Dominica. Sis has it going on, okay? She is the definition of navigating her faith, her passions, and her, her profession's emphasis on the S, okay? But all in all, her mission is to help ambitious entrepreneurs to find direction in their businesses and use their natural skills, their knowledge, their expertise to increase their earning potential. She also has a podcast, which we will talk about called the Livelihood Matters Podcast. And it's really just giving you the tools and the resources to help you grow online. You can follow her on Instagram at at Merlinda Francois. I will link it in the show notes for y'all to see. But Merlinda, say hello to the people. Hey guys, how are you doing? And I want to say thank you so much, Melanie, for having me on your show. It's an honor to be here. I am someone who likes to talk. And when I met Melanie, I was like, hey, this girl is doing something that I'm doing and I really wanted to connect. So I'm really happy to be here today, Melanie. So thank you for this opportunity. And for those of you who are listening, please take sure, take notes. Yeah. Make some time to think and implement stuff in your business because we listen to things, we take notes, but we do not implement. So I want you to oh, pay attention today. She coaching y'all already. <laughs> <laughs> I love to see it. Um, but yes, that's awesome. So Melinda, I already know people are gonna ask. So can you tell the people where you are from? Oh, I'm from the Commonwealth of Dominica, and that is in the Caribbean. So yeah. for those of you who do not know Dominica, we are located between Martinique and Guadeloupe, the two French islands, and it's called the Nature Island of the Caribbean. Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> we are international in here, okay? Um, but I love that so much. Um, so yes, like, like Marlena said, we connected on Instagram a while ago, um, and I was actually a guest on her podcast, the Livelihood Matters podcast. I will link that episode in the show notes as well. We talked about um, project management, how to navigate um, having a nine to five in the business and just helping people who may have, you know, careers or traditional careers, helping them think outside of the box when it comes to their business. So I will link it. It's a really, really good episode that you should listen to. But today I really kind of wanted to get into Merlinda's business a little bit because, you know, this is the rough draft. And I think a lot of times, you know, we are always talking about business and strategy. And I think that all of that is important, but I think sometimes we miss the art of understanding the lifestyle of the non-sophopreneur, the lifestyle of an entrepreneur, the lifestyle of a business coach, and really understanding 
the real, the, the reality of what it takes to be an entrepreneur, to sustain as an entrepreneur, how to deal with failures, how to deal with everyday life. And so that's why I always am preaching that the Red Draft is a safe space because a lot of us are ambitious. A lot of, a lot of us have goals, but sometimes we don't have the language. We don't have the permission um, and we don't know how to show up, you know, in our life and in our business. We don't know how to navigate the ups and the downs. And so that's why I always bring people People on this podcast who are really doing it so that we can not just talk about our accomplishments and how we can serve our audiences and our clients, but also talk about, you know, the reality of what, it, of what it's like being an entrepreneur and navigating, you know, all that stuff. So for the intro, um, I guess let's start with Marlinda, just kind of walk me through your career journey, kind of talk me through, talk us through really kind of where you started how you got to where you are, um, where you are an executive contributor, you are a PR director, you are a business coach and project manager. How did you get here? Let's start there. Oh, wow. This is a really long story, but let me start. Um, I think it started from the age of 12. When I was in high school, I sold the sweets to get money to pay for my transportation because we didn't have much and I had to sell sweets every week. And I was on my hustle from a very young age and I did this for five years. Learning to sell, learning to organize events, learning to, to turn anything into money and monetize anything. And it became a habit for me. I started working at the age of 16 at a bakery where my mom worked. And I had to work on Sundays and I got money to pay for graduation. And that early age career helped me to get that discipline that, hey, you have to work. You have to do things that are important to help contribute towards your livelihood. Mm-hmm. And during that time... I did it and I was very proud about what I did. I continued that philosophy into university and I completed my university studies at the age of 24, very young, my first degree. And I still had that hustle mindset. I wanted to do more. So I got a job and I found that the job was not challenging me enough. So I started blogging. So that's how I got into online. I started blogging in 2013, just writing about lifestyle and anything that was on my mind. And I just wrote things like connected with people online. Then I met a web developer who wanted somebody to write for him. So I wrote articles for him. And in exchange, he helped me to get my website online. And that's how I got started with Melinda Francois. But over time, work demands took over. I got a job at the luxurious hotel. It was the top hotel in the island. And it took most of my time. And I think it was at that point I realized gosh, I cannot be working 24-7. I had no life. The salary was okay. I wouldn't say it's the best, but I realized I didn't have a life and I was working, working, working. So during that time, I realized I wanted to do more with my life. I left the job and I stayed home for a bit. And then I worked in a small family business. I helped my brother at the same with a bakery. And then I got a job on a, a, on a project where I worked with displaced women who were struggling to get jobs. And this was where my career and business coaching journey began. I realized that women had skills that they could not use. They could sew, they had baking skills, but they needed to get it refined. So I helped them by organizing a capacity development training for them. And that was my responsibility to help them to go through that process. And during that time, I myself took the class to learn to sew. So I learned to sew (laughs) whilst I was coordinating the project. Mm -hmm. And I pushed through. I did it with them for nine months until the project ended and I switched careers to my current job where I am now. But something devastating occurred during that time. Our island experienced Hurricane Maria in 2017 and it devastated the entire island. We did not have electricity and water for days. And yes, it was really terrible. And I, I woke up that morning and I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen to us? Like, I didn't think we could recover from it. But luckily we did. But in that same year, my work sent me abroad to work, to do some project and project relief work for the disaster that occurred in my island. So I did that abroad and I was living in London. And whilst I was living in London, I started getting exposure to coaches and consultants. I started engaging and networking. And then I found a mentor, a mentor who is from the Caribbean as well, from Trinidad and Tobago. And she exposed me to the world of coaching of learning to do something that is more than just a nine to five Mm -hmm. and during that time I got the mentorship from her and I sent my first one-on-one client and that is when my journey began I also dropped the career coaching and I focused on business coaching and then 2018 to 2019 
I registered my business and I got started. That is just in a nutshell. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I could dig into that so much. So, <laughs> so I think that it's interesting that hurricane hurricanes obviously are a disaster. I mean, I know that they hit the Caribbean, they hit the islands so hard. Um, and I and I've seen so many stories where they, you know, where where people have been without power for days. Uh, but I think that it is interesting that in that horrific um, catastrophe, really, that it it still propelled you, you know, it, even, even in that disaster, it still propelled you into the next really phase of your career, your business, right? Um, because in that moment, you were able to get exposures, like you said, to coaches and consultants and, you know, we always say things that things happen for a reason. It doesn't make the pain any better because it, it sucks that 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 people have to go through certain things sometimes. And I'm always so sensitive to that um, because sometimes we don't. I feel like you know this could happen a different way, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just think that it speaks to your character and it speaks to your resilience to be able to. Um, to be able to be open to receive, you know, the good that was in that moment, which was helping you transition into that coaching and consulting. Um, and so what does that look like? You know, a lot of us on the podcast and people that follow me are what I call nine to five preneurs. So a lot of us are juggling a corporate job in a business. Um, and many of us desire to go into full-time entrepreneurship. And so how would you say that maybe your corporate career or even just your life experiences, you know, going through all of that in such a short amount of time, how did or does that aid you in your business when you're helping clients and coaching? Okay. Well, for one, I will say that sometimes I was just bold, straight off bold, and I took risk. I decided to go for what I wanted. And working in a job that was very demanding required me to always be organized always be ahead of time or this is a schedule i had to wake up very early i had to attend different meetings and and trainings and i also had to take care of myself and my business so what i did is i learned the art and the importance of managing my time because that is super super important and during that same time super ambitious me decided to start her master's degree so in 2018 i signed up for a master's degree thinking okay I'm going to do this. I'm going to juggle my business. I'm going to juggle work. But what it did for me is whilst it was stressful and demanding, I learned the art of project management. So I started to apply what I learned from the project management into my business. Mm-hmm. And that was what I helped that helped me to really juggle business, work and life. And another thing is in the corporate world, I can say that my job affords me the opportunity to be flexible sometimes. So I was able to work on the weekends for work, but I was also able to get time to do different things for my business. I learned the importance of putting a structure in place. And it was the corporate job that allowed me to fund my business, to invest in my first mentor, to invest in programs, to invest in branding. So I can say I'm grateful for that opportunity and for meeting different people across the world and just learning the art of being disciplined and paying attention to details because most of my job entails that. So I learned that discipline and that skill from my job and I was able to carry on to my business. That's so good. And I'm glad you said that because a lot of times, you know, as nine to five preneurs, if we're honest, me included, we can sometimes treat our side business as optional, right? Oh, so yeah. we know how to show up every day for our job. I'm talking to myself, okay? Um <laughs> We know how to show up for our job every day because it's not optional. That's how we pay the bills. But a lot of times when it comes to our businesses, um, that's how we are in our careers. But when it comes to our businesses, you know, we give ourselves more leniency. We don't treat it as we do our our full-time job. And so I'm glad that you say that you took risks, but you, it's not, because sometimes what I'm, reason why I'm saying is because a lot of times we're in careers that we don't like, we're in jobs that we don't like. And we say, oh, well, there's no way that this can help me in my business because it's not the same thing that I want to do. But I'm so glad that you pointed out that it's the discipline, mm-hmm. it's the time management that you had to learn through the demanding career that helped you in your business. And I guess my follow-up question to that is you said that you learned project management by juggling multiple projects and learning how to juggle things. So what does that look like practically 
um, as a project manager, you know, you have systems, you have timelines, you have budgets. What does that look like for you to actually have managed the career and the business from a project management perspective? Like, was it through planning? Was it through, um, you know, setting deadlines in your business and sticking to those? Like, what did that look like very practically from a project management standpoint, especially for those who are not used to or not familiar with the project management kind of methodology? Okay. So for me, I did a lot of planning because I'm, I was already someone who liked to plan. I look at my key dates. So I had my dates for school. I had key dates for my work and key targets. And then I gave myself goals for my business. So every single day I had tasks I had to get done. So I had a whiteboard and I would draw up the week and I would identify different tasks that I need to get done for the week. And I would put deadlines on it. So I would be tired. Yes. But I would give myself cut off time. So as I get home, I have an hour to relax, to eat. And then by 7 p.m., I have to get started to work on my business till 12. So I'll go to bed every night at 12. Wake up in the morning after 6, 7. And then I would walk to work because at the time I was living in London. Walk to work and get to the office. I know I have different things to do. I would, and when I have meetings, in between my times, if I have to take the train to go to a meeting, I'll be reading on the train. I would get back to, to home or to the office based on this time I get back. And I know every single day I had a schedule. So that meant I could not spend time doing random things. So there are times I had to decline going out to have drinks because, you know, the culture would be going to have drinks on a Thursday evening. I would decline that. And I think some of my colleagues didn't understand that because they figured, oh, it's just two hours, but two hours of drinking and free up means I'm going to be tired. I won't have time to do anything for myself the next day. So I had to cut back on social activities and I was going on a routine. And I knew when I had deadlines or assignments, I would make sure I had days where I sit down and do specific tasks. So I had to really write it down. Mm-hmm. And then there was a time <laughs> I had two whiteboards up. I had it in my calendar and I had reminders on my phone to keep me updated of what I had to get done. And it was really hard. But at the end of the week, when I reviewed my performance, I'd be like, hmm, I actually got all of this done. Like, how did I do that? I would question myself, like, how the hell did I get this done? Mm-hmm. But when I recall what I did, it was simply the time management and cutting of distractions. I told people I'm not available after that time. Don't call me. I'm not going to answer you. And that is hard. But this is what got the work done. <laughs> that was it. The planning and executing. And every single day, I knew what I had to do for school so I could incorporate different things in between. And I had my targets for work, so I would do it. And the most challenging thing for me was being tired. But I knew that was temporary. I knew like, hey, I have to do this for two years. And when I transitioned back to my island in Dominica, I think I arrived after nine in the evening, after traveling for like 16 hours from London to France to Dominica. Mm-hmm. I got to work the next day for 8 a.m. And I'm like, whew, and I had to get back home to study. And that was the week we had a break in between school. So I had to then create a new schedule because new time zone, I was jet lagged. And let me tell you, it was really, really hard. But one thing I can tell people, make use of your weekends. Mm. My weekends were for me to study. I would not do anything as my chores and I use my entire weekend to study. So that is what helped me to push. And it's not, it's not, um, what do I say? It's not going to be easy for you. But if you really, really want to see progress, then you have to process it to do it. It's the discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that you said that you plan things because I think when I talk about project management perspective, it's planning things down to the detail, mm-hmm. right? So having every detail planned out, um, because as a project manager, you know that the reason why we are project managers is because if other people were doing what we're supposed to do, then things would get missed. And that's why we have project managers so that tasks and details don't get missed. And so I love that, that you said that you plan things down to a T. Um, And I think that it's, yeah. And I think that it's really important to know your season. Cause I think that, you know, sometimes there is a season to rest and sometimes there's a season to just grind it out because like you said, it is temporary, Um, you know? And so I love that. Um, So We talked about how sometimes you have to grind it out. We talked about sometimes, you know, you have to plan things out by the detail and not just have these lofty ideas, but you have to take those lofty ideas, which are great, and break them down. But we can't ignore that sometimes, you know, there are emotions that come with that, right? Sometimes you feel overwhelmed. Sometimes you wonder, is me planning out all of my days, is this really worth it? And so was there ever a time that you wanted to quit your business? And if so, talk about that time and how you overcame it. 
actually yes and there was a time i actually took a break from the business because i decided that hey i'm doing the masters now but the business can wait because i was at a point where i was growing i'm like i invested money while the business funded the program i had to take a break so i took a break i think in 2019 i took a six months break from doing business like i didn't look if any clients until i got an ease up after my first year and what i felt was like i really cannot handle this i'm feeling stressed i'm constantly tired i don't know if this is for me and i keep asking myself who am i to do this why the hell did i get myself involved in this what am i doing and i keep questioning so many things and i'm like you know what something has to go the business has to stay on the standstill and i put it on a standstill honestly for a bit and i focus on school and work but it was still stressful Mm -hmm. (laughs) i realized that hey if i'm in this business and i'm getting some consistent growth stopping now is not going to be good and i had to return to why i actually started the business what was the core reasons behind the the business why was i doing it and i had to remind myself that if i give up fully now it's going to be an issue I am going to disappoint myself. And after I finish school, I'm going to feel bad about it. So mm. I resumed the business slightly um, in between my posting and maintaining a, a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And I had to get my mindset in order to tell myself that, hey, this is temporary and you need to get uncomfortable. But it was really, really hard. But for a moment there, I wanted to give up. <laughs> and that was, that was a challenging moment for me. And the people around me, encouraged me my partner encouraged me my friends because they knew and it's like Melinda, you are the one that can do everything you're always doing different things so i mean come on you can handle this mm-hmm. but when you have overpowering emotions and you have your body strained and so many things going on at the same time it will affect you and it affected me because later that year i found that i was sick i had to do emergency surgery mm-hmm. so i was so stressed from work I actually had to take a break from both business and school and I had to do surgery. I was on unrest for three months. And after that three months, I started to feel like myself again. So I was really tired. My body needed that break. And at that time, I almost gave up. And then in early 2020, I resumed my business on a different level with more clarity, less hustle. And then I knew what I wanted to do. So, so talk about that. One, I love that. Thank you for being transparent because we talked about that in the episode about entrepreneurship and mental health and learning how to listen to your body. Um, but but when you said that you came back and you switched things up, what did you choose to do differently in your business model so that it wasn't as stressful? Okay. So I stopped doing random things. I felt like I was just online posting randomly. Um, I wasn't... I. I was just trying to make money online. I wasn't like working strategically towards something. I stopped obsessing about posting every day. Mm-hmm. And I started planning in my business because I was planning in my in my corporate job and my school, but I didn't apply enough of it to my business. So I was not planning properly as to what I want to accomplish for my business. So I started doing that and I gave myself time in terms of creating content and deciding, okay, what months I want to do different things. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do a free training in May. 2020, I did that. What do I want to do? Do I want to work with one-on-one clients? How I want to set it up? And I started planning it in advance and then developing systems, what forms I need and stop trying to be everything online. Stop trying to post everywhere. I was on all social media platforms posting like randomly. It was just too much. Mm-hmm. It was me alone. It was just too much. So I had to cut back on that. And then I started doing journaling to take care of my mental health. That's when I started doing more journaling. I started doing more prayer and meditation and relaxing. And just not stressing about things and just really trying to work on myself. It was a huge transition. And I would say I'm on my healing journey and it's much better now than when I started. But 2020 was the year I started practicing self-care and started slowing down a bit. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, Because the question was, and I hope y'all heard that. The question was, how did you get back into your business and what did you do differently? And I love that you said that even your business was impacted by the self-care that you did, the time that you took to prioritize your mental health, the time that you took to um, to really focus on yourself. Um, and we don't realize, again, how much that affects our work, right? Yep. Yeah. And so I love that. I love that. Um, I can resonate personally so much <laughs> not feeling like you have to post every day because, again, that some people were able to see success that way, but I think I'm learning 
the, the beauty of quality over quantity and that consistency does not equal frequency. And so exactly. you can be consistent without having to post every day. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I do post, uh, whether that's three times a week, um, you know, people know that I'm going to produce something quality, you know, there's something exactly. that, that is thoughtful and something that will, that people will be able to resonate with, or, you know, make people want to buy or whatever, it, you know, the motive of that post is. Um, and so I love that so much. Um, <laughs> so you talked about, you know, when you first wanted to quit that you made all of these investments in your business. And I think, um, I have talked about on this platform, on the podcast, rather, mm-hmm. um, how when I first started the blog, very my story is very similar to yours. I uh, was unfulfilled in my job and I was trying to, you know, about to get into my master's, but I also started picking up blogging and I invested all of this stuff trying to, you know, have the best website and have all of these things. And I always talk about making smart investments. And so very practically, talk about some of the investments that you made when you first started your business what would you say is the best investment you've made so far? And knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently as far as investing your money? Okay, that's a good one. That is a good one. And I think a lot of people need to hear that. So <laughs> let's start off with the first mistake I made. I invested a lot in branding, y'all. Five-figure investment in branding in my currency. And I was embarrassed about the amount I spent. I love the branding, but I would not have invested in branding certainly because branding is something you do. And when you say branding, you brand identity, like logos, logo, fonts, patterns, everything, the entire works. (laughs) I had a, a social media logo, a main logo, a secondary logo, patterns, illustrations. And I think I didn't even know what these things meant at the time. So they looked pretty, they were nice, they were catchy. I did a brand shoot to support it. Yes, they were good. My pictures were nice and attractive, but something was missing. I was not ready to have that level of branding. The message behind the branding is still the same. I wanted to break dependency, break poverty patterns, but I was not in the right mindset to implement it. Mm-hmm. And when I did the branding was before I started the masters. So that for everything off so I did the branding I could not commit to doing the work I took how many breaks that affected me so that was a big mistake I made in my business and let me tell you I have to do a rebrand but I'm not ready to do a rebrand until I know for a fact that I'm going to do things on a different level so I'm not doing a rebrand yet and the next bad investment I won't say bad but investing in too many low ticket offers like a free course there a short course on a particular topic a short cost on email, a short cost on this, too many short courses are not giving you any real substance because being a business owner is much more than just coming on and posting. You have to build that mindset to be a business owner, to wake up, to speak differently, to be able to, to create a plan for your business, to look at the vision, to see how you can get somebody for a transformation, not just doing a short course. So that is something that you have to be mindful about, investing in short programs. A four-week program is not going to help you to become a good business owner. It just doesn't. And that is so common in the, in the marketplace. Like it's become the, the norm and people are making money of people. What can you learn in six weeks? Nothing. Mm. You cannot learn and get anything in six weeks. It's just not practical. And that's what we thought we had to do, but it's not. So these are the bad ones. And then <laughs> I also made investments in copywriting, which is good. That's why I learned some more copywriting because I want to, I like to write, but I still felt like I needed to improve my writing. So I did investment in the copywriting course, which I had lifetime access to. I'm still in it. So I, I review different things and check different aspects. I also invested in the productivity coach, which was very good, which helped me to improve. Oh, yes, I invested in the productivity coach whilst I was doing my master's as well. So I had a combination. But the productivity coach was mostly for business mm-hmm. and how to juggle the business aspect. I did that. And my best investment thus far is my current coach. And I invested in her, D.L. Sharon. She's very good. She's a business coach. And she built a six-figure business in her nine to five. She actually just left her job this year, January. And she's at, I think, 500000 And one of the things that she does differently than everybody and that we had to realize is business is not about fancy and impressing people. It's about being a true person, being a rough draft, mm-hmm. being able to hold space for people who are going through different issues and guide them through their business. People are going to have random shit um, showing up in their lives when they are doing their business. So they're going to want to, to quit. 
You cannot just give somebody a template and it's going to work. A template is not enough. You have to be believe in yourself. There's so many different things you have to do to grow as a business owner. How are you going to show up? What if your partner doesn't support you? And then just thinking of the bigger picture than just making money. And I wanted to do all that, but I wasn't seeing that in the online space. Everybody has a popular promoting fancy retreats and stuff, make money, charge high amounts of things. But it wasn't really substantial. It wasn't leaving a lasting impact on you. And so I've done investments before where I thought I could have gotten that. And it was just stuff I knew. I'm a strategist. I like to research. So I need the basic stuff. You need the mindset work, which is mostly important for you to grow. Because everybody can use strategies. All the strategies work. The important thing is you and how you think about yourself and how you impact others. And that is what you need as in a, in a coach to help you get over that mindset block. Mm-hmm. And that is my best investment. It's a lifetime program. And I'm learning different things about myself. I'm developing my own unique concepts. I'm coaching clients. I just launched a program and it's just different. And let me tell you, you have to be mindful of that when you're looking to invest. What is the impact beyond just signing your clients or being able to market well? Because most people know how to market well, package beautiful lunches, sell, get people in. But then do they really care about the people? You have to care about your clients. Think of all the issues. How can you help them? So even, even if they don't sign clients, they will become a changed person after working with you. And that is what I, I think that is the most important in trying to help clients. Merlin, I'm about to fall out on this floor right now. Okay. <laughs> I no, am true. about to jump out this window. Girl, you are preaching. Okay. I hope that I really encourage y'all to go back and rewind what she just said. Um, first of all, <laughs> I think I did a mini run. That was a mini run. I just love that. No, it, I love the run because it's so true. Um, because like you said, the first investments that I make when I first started blogging was all of this branding stuff. It was all of this visual stuff. It was all of the graphics and investing in stock photos and logos and having yeah. the best pretty looking websites But like you said, without having the message, without really having, creating the system, right, from a project management standpoint of how you're going to sustain, you will fail every time. I failed every time, you know, when I I focused on graphics. And I know business. I have my MBA. I know project management. And I still fail when I was trying to um, prioritize the visual over the substance. And I think that even when it comes to, like you said, sometimes we invest in these, you know, make six figures in 30 days program or, you know, join my course that will teach you how to make six figures in, you know, two weeks and give you a six figure blueprint. (laughs) You can have the blueprint all day long. And if you don't have the mindset, like you said, um, it will mean nothing. And I've realized that I don't like strategy. Like I said on the last podcast about entrepreneurship and mental health, I am great at what I do. Mm-hmm. Corporations pay me six figures to do what I do. I'm great at what I do. There's no question about that. But do I have the mindset, right? Do I believe that my that my skills can, can transfer beyond where my comfort zone is, which is corporate America, right? Do I believe that I am influential enough and impactful enough to really make the impact that I'm trying to make? You know, and that's a mindset thing that I've had to realize this, this year. Again, re- referencing back to entrepreneurship and mental health, like a lot of times that mindset that we struggle with comes from deeper issues that we have mm-hmm. to work through. And when we work through the mindset and the bad beliefs and the trauma, you know, mm-hmm. we're able to show up more consistently in our business because we fully believe that what we have to offer is good and it's impactful. And so we don't mind selling because we believe that what we have to that we what we have to share is impactful. So I love, love, love that you talked about not necessarily focusing on the visual, but focusing on the mindset, focusing on the message, focusing on the people, you know, because anybody can make a quick buck. But I think sometimes 
we do not take into consideration the fact that like people are investing their money you know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of times it is a sacrifice. You know, I think about the investments that I've made. It's not because I just had it in the bank. I've made that sacrifice. And what trauma are you in, are you are you giving people when you don't really value them as people? You just want their dollar. Um, and so and so, yeah, I mean, I can concur that, you know, the best investment that I made was on a good business coach. And even if, if that business coach, you know, regardless of the results of that coach like like you said I was left feeling empowered um I was left with the right mindset to do whatever it is that I wanted to do you know and so I love that oh I could talk about that all day (laughs) but I will move on um but that was good that was really good and I'm glad that you said that um so I'm a I'm going to switch a little bit you know I'm a real good listener Merlinda I realized hey (laughs) I heard you say um, back when we were talking about kind of times that you wanted to quit your business and you were talking about your support system, you were talking about that you had friends that, you know, help you realize that you're used to juggling multiple things. I also heard that you said you had a partner um, that helped you as well. And so, you know, let's get into that a little bit. So. I think that, you know, as business women or men who may be listening, as entrepreneurs, again, we're juggling career, we're juggling business, we're juggling self-care, we're juggling social media, we're juggling our own stuff, mental health, all that stuff. But I think that most of us can say that we desire meaningful relationships, we desire partnerships, um, while also wanting to be successful. You know, I think sometimes, you know, society has opinions about, you know, successful women, but at the end of the day, we want to be loved. We want to have a safe space to come home to, and you got a partner child. So (laughs) let's talk about, you know, how you as a multi-passionate entrepreneur, how do you manage your career goals, your business goals, your life, your self-care and your relationship? Okay, first of all, I will say that the most important thing for me was finding a partner who also understood business because many times what you find is we may not successful, they are driven, and society have that belief that we are supposed to be, how would I say, nurturers only, and we're not supposed to have too many big goals just naturally in our small society in the Caribbean. But my partner has a business, he's an entrepreneur as well, he has a side hustle, and he understood that. And he encourages me a lot in my business. And he was solely focused on pushing his business for years before we met. So when he met me at the point when I wanted to give up, he told me that stop treating my business like a hobby. You know, that really strong. And I'm like, okay, all right. He said, yeah, you either doing your business or you're not. You cannot be doing it today, doing whatever you have to. If you take a break or whatever and you return to it properly. Mm-hmm. And he has been my encouraging person. So I encourage a lot of people, but when I need the, the encouragement, because, you know, every strong woman needs somebody to support her, mm-hmm. he would tell me, I mean, come on, you can do this. I mean, you are very good at what you do. Come on, have more belief in yourselves. So I would get that pep talk from him occasionally. And he's like, he never doubts me in my business at all. Any ounce of those, he's like, you got this. That's, that's nothing. That's easy for you to do. Mm-hmm. And that is important because let me tell you, I don't get you spending too much time in your business. I don't get... um. You're always busy and we live together. I don't get, oh, you don't have time to, I don't get that at all. Mm-hmm. If maybe other relationship issues, which is natural, you know, but not my business, not discouraging me in my business, always encouraging me. And he's into, how would I say, IT as well and design. So we speak about these things a lot. Um, he even gave me advice on my podcast, certain things you should do. And I happen to be a business coach coaching him too and then he coaching me and it just happened to be that whole support system that is very important I also have a best friend who is um who is an entrepreneur I have two of them one abroad one here and they are both entrepreneurs well side hustlers I should say and we talk about business most of the time like what are we going through and how are things affecting us and that is important because if you have friends I'm not saying you shouldn't have friends who are not entrepreneurs um, but if you have friends who understand the nature of entrepreneurship, it's easier when you speak to them about something. Like I was late on a podcast episode and 
I consulted my friends, guys, should I postpone? And they were like, no, people are waiting on the consistent podcast episode. Publish it the next day if you can publish it today. And you know, simple discussions, simple things that you want to ask them, advice on comes in handy. So I really love that. All my close friends have side horses. It just happened to be that way. And I think I encouraged two of them. And that was one of the things they always say, I encourage them to start. So when I need the support, they are there. So everybody trying to do something. So yeah. I'm grateful for that support. That's good. I love that. Um, I love that you said that, you know, your partner holds you accountable because I think that sometimes I think that that's the beauty of, of a partnership between a man and a woman is that sometimes as men, sometimes as women, like we can be more into with our feelings, right? <laughs> so we can want to quit because we don't feel like it. And I think that there's mm-hmm. a beauty in that because sometimes, again, we can give that rest to a man where they are going and going and going and we can tell them, you know, hey, pull back. You don't have to, you know, and rest. So I think that there, that's the beauty of the kind of the dichotomy of us as men and women. And so I love that he kind of sobers you and it's like, <laughs> no, get this done. Let's do it. Because sometimes you need that, you know, you don't yes. want it. Sometimes you need a safe space to land, but sometimes that safe space is saying, okay, I see how you feel, but let's go, you know? I know. Um, And so I love that. I love that he supports you. And I love that y'all have, you know, similar interests. And even if it's not similar interests, I feel like even if, you know, entrepreneurs and somebody that may not be an entrepreneur, you still have that drive, right? You still have a level of ambition that y'all match each other. Y'all are able to push each other. Um, And I also love that you mentioned the support system of friendships too, because, you know, not everybody has a, you know, a partner or a man or woman that they, you know, can, can lean on for business, but, you know, you can still, you find your community where you need it. Um, And it's good. I I will definitely say that it is good to have people that understand, like you said, it's one thing to have people that aspire to do things, but to have someone that's actually doing it with you. Um, and it's not about jealousy. It's not about comparison. They don't exactly. tell you, you know, um, don't do your podcast, girl, because, you know, they're projecting their own insecurities. No, they say, let's go get it out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. I love that. We all need that support. Um, so, OK, I got in your business a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back to we talked about um, times that you wanted to quit the best and worst investments that you've made. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit um, because I think that as entrepreneurs, again, sometimes we don't give the real story. And even now, as you know, you've redefined your business, you're doing what works for you. You can be in the blessing while still deal with burdens. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so what would you say that today, as you have your group coaching program, as you are the executive director for a PR firm and you are a, um, you know, a contributor to a magazine, what is the hardest part about what you do now? I would say slowing down because sometimes I feel like I keep going and going and going mm-hmm. and uh, I was sick earlier this year again. I had some gut issue and I took a break in the summer. And during that time, I had some other personal drama in my life. So, you know, when you have personal stress, it takes a toll on you. Plus, I got gut issue as I was on sick leave. And I recovering, recovering slowly. And during that time, I did a lot of shifting again. I can already barely wait to see where I am. The hardest part for me is not not taking good care of myself in terms of health-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to the gym consistently earlier this year. I had to stop because of health reasons. I actually just resumed the gym this week again mm-hmm. after taking a break for five months. That is the hardest part, being able to take better care of my health and self-care. And I got, I got to a point whereby I would stay up late and wake up early. And that wasn't good. That really wasn't good. And I would feel it in how my concentration levels would be affected. So that is very hard for me. Mm-hmm. The other hard part for me is I live in an environment and a culture that is not really entrepreneurial. And most people just want to make money on the side. They don't understand the concept of coaching to that level. They believe in having side hustles and making money, but coaching is not popular here. Mm-hmm. And although I'm not targeting people here, I would say, I want to do things, but it is more coaching based. I don't have the network in, in my current environment. I would have to travel to do that. So my clients are mostly like overseas clients. I meet online. 
I would want to do in-person events with persons here who want to go into coaching and not just start a, a physical business, but into an online-based business. I'm trying to build that culture for digital businesses only. Because let me tell you, we are living in a world where everything is online. So I want people to understand that, hey, you don't need to have a physical business. You don't have to open something. And most people have businesses that are similar to each other. So I'm trying to break that thinking. And that is hard. And then I have, how would I say? The systematic issues and pressures from my workplace. Um, I got that pressure before in terms of being able to make extra money. I was, um, how would I say? intervened in my business briefly because of that and a culture and that kind of affected me for a moment so that is a challenge that I'm having and I I would say I wanted to bigger things but I'm not putting myself out there fully because of that mm-hmm. so when I go full-time I will bring my higher self on a different level out there to be and do all what I want to do mm-hmm. so that is a challenge for me so that's a good point because a lot of people do feel constrained no matter what your career is you know sometimes you can feel constrained time constraint maybe there's a conflict of interest whatever it is that can impact um you know the time that you can dedicate to your business a lot of people now are also trying to transition into full-time entrepreneurship is that something that you're interested in and if you feel comfortable sharing what is that trigger for you because some people they wait until they have a year of savings. Some people just wait till they feel like it and they just quit and they have that feeling or that knowing. What do you feel like that will look like for you? For me, yes, I want to transition to full-time entrepreneurship. I have a goal. I have a reserve goal that I want to meet before I do that. I don't believe in just moving. If your business start making consistent 10K months or 5K months, just quit because you want to rush. Because guess what? When you rush into entrepreneurship because you want to leave your job, you're going to going into the old attitude, the old energy, and you have to discipline yourself when you go into your business. Mm-hmm. You're not going into your business, oh, you're going to be your own boss. Then you're going to fuck up your business. Sorry for my language, but you're going to do things <laughs> that are different because you figure you are in charge. But what's going to happen is you're going to lose the value and the discipline that you need to bring to the business. So I don't believe in rushing into it. I'm not rushing into it. I cannot say, okay, by next year, I give myself a reserve, a goal I want to meet financially. Once I meet that goal, then I can transition into my business. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, I love project management. So I want to get my certification. So that would be another, another part of what I do mm-hmm. as well. So in the future, I will be an entrepreneur, but I'll also be doing project management consultancies, perhaps nonprofits. I've always liked to work in nonprofits. So I want to do that as well. Mm-hmm. So if, if it have to be short-term projects, I will want to do that in the future. But I would transition out of where I am eventually once I meet my savings goal. Mm-hmm. That's good. That That's good. And I feel like the beauty of that or the advantage, because again, people's past are people's past. And God, I'm not going to restrain God because God tells some people to quit and trust me. And I fully, I've seen it and I've seen it work out. And I know that that happens. I also think that God sometimes can produce patience in us through making us wait. And like you said, it's developing that discipline, not just as somebody who is having the discipline to go between a career and a business, but the discipline that that carries on into that business when you become a full-time CEO, because it's going to require restraint, Um, whether you're dealing with employees that are not performing well, whether you are dealing Mm -hmm. with deciding on what to spend and what not to spend and investing when it's your livelihood that's on the line Mm -hmm. that requires restraint and patience and that's something that you learn when you have a vision and you have a goal and you're having to work towards it while also being patient in the process and I think sometimes we don't see that because we're wanting to move ahead, but we don't we don't fully take advantage of what we're learning in the moment and what we're learning in the process and how that will help us to sustain once we are full-time entrepreneurs because we learn patience, restraint, and discipline in the in-between. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that. Girl, this has been a good conversation. I done got I know. it. I'm like, oh gosh. I got in your business about you and your boo and then we done talked about your mistakes and your wins um so tell us a little bit Marlinda let's wrap this up because I could talk all day but I realize, um, that's good I like talk all day too. <laughs> yes. um tell us a little bit about your business your podcast and how people can work with you 
All right. So in a nutshell, I would say that I'm a project leader and a business coach and strategist for women of color. And my whole aim in my business is I'm helping people to use their gifts to turn it into a sustainable business so they can access more money. What do you have that you are not using? How can you transition or you can use a skill you learned in your degree or at your corporate job and turn it into a business online? I teach you how to do that, how to package it, how to price it, how to build a belief in yourself to speak about it, how to show up in a way that shows that, hey, I'm an expert and this is how I can, I can help you to solve that problem, whether it is virtual assistant, whether it's another business coach, whether it is marketing, whether it's copywriting, public speaking, podcasting, whatever it is you want to do, I can guide you further to develop the business side of it to become your own business leader and a person who will make an impact. Now, I am doing this, but I'm focusing on building sustainability and breaking poverty patterns because a lot of us are focused on getting a job and we believe in income or job is just enough. So part of me helping you is teaching you that, hey, you can have another stream of income you don't have to depend on a job, you can improve your livelihood, you don't have to depend on the system, you can create your own money to take care of your families. That is my goal. And to do that, you need to make extra money because you are living in a cycle that's telling you need to get more. So you want to buy a vehicle, you want to spend on lavish things, even if you're making good money in your business, but you are still living paycheck to paycheck. So I'm teaching you to do that and to build yourself. And through my programs, I guide persons who want to step into the entrepreneurship world so they can build a mindset. So I just launched my group program, which is Breaking Generational Poverty. And in this program, I focus on building your beliefs first and helping you understand how to overcome scarcity, as well as building your entrepreneurial belief, like what would an employee do versus an entrepreneur, pricing, packaging, how to find clients organically, and learning to not be in a rush to do things one step at a time and creating content. And in my one-to-one, I work with persons who want more of an intimate setting, who want more specific strategies, who want me to get them for the same process, but then they have other issues that they have to unpack. And my one-to-one is six months. My group program is three months for the beta that I'm doing now. But when I relaunched, it will be a four-month program. My podcast now is the space where I'll be speaking about everything livelihood. And people don't like to read. So the podcast was introduced to get persons to listen on the go. And thus far, I'm really enjoying the podcast because I have a lot to say, guys, and I can't type everything on Instagram. So listen to the podcast and that's it. Yes. Yes. And I will link all of her stuff below. So if you want to work with her, if you want to listen to her podcast, listen, there's no competition. There's room for everybody. That's right. um, (laughs) Listen, I know a lot of people that, you know, um, that could use your services. Um, And so, yes, I'm definitely fully supportive. Um, and, and yes, y'all go check her out. I'll definitely list, 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 list her podcast below um, and her social media platform so that y'all can connect with her. Um, and yes, I think that's it, y'all. We got to go. We done been here talking for a while. But, um, but yes, thank you, Marlena, for being on the show. Thank you for being transparent um, and for sharing your rough draft. Um, we definitely enjoyed it. And I know so many people will, will be able to resonate with this on so many different levels. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Melanie. It's really a pleasure. And this is actually a really rough draft because I've never spoken on an interview and exposed all of this before. Ah! Because, you know, this is a different one. So I guess if somebody wants to hear the tea, they have to listen to the rough draft podcast. <laughs> yes, so that, I'm happy to have been that. part of your podcast. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Thank you. That's that's the goal, even though, you know, it, it can be daunting. But no, I appreciate you. Thank you, Marlinda. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. I will see y'all next time. We'll see who business we're going to get into next time, y'all. But no, thank y'all for listening as always. Um, and bye. Have a good one.